Welcome to the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up. It's Friday, October 28th. Every Friday, we focus exclusively on the features from WFUV's newsroom. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Shana Walsh. Animals in New York City are not an unfamiliar sight. Most of the commonly seen wildlife in the city are small creatures like birds, bees, mice, squirrels, and more. But New York City's been seeing an influx of a bigger animal that many don't expect to see. WFUV's Isabel Danzis has more on the city's newest visitor, coyotes. Most people don't associate city living with coyotes. For years, seeing coyotes in New York City has been met with shock and disbelief, like this CBS report from 2015. I know you might not believe this one, but coyote sightings are on the rise in New York City. One was captured in a Manhattan park in January. Another got stuck on the roof of a Queens bar last month. But coyotes actually call cities all across the United States home, and they have for a while. Carol Hinger is a researcher who works with the organization Gotham Coyotes, who track the animal. She says that coyotes moved from the Midwest to New York State in the 1940s and eventually moved to the Bronx as recently as the 90s. But New York is an extremely interesting place to look at these city-dwelling coyotes because New York City was one of the last places that coyotes expanded to. And currently, Long Island is the only place where coyotes are still expanding their territory. Hinger says it's not surprising that the coyotes have come to the city because they only need two basic things to live and they can find them in the urban jungle. It seems like coyotes are able to live anywhere that there's just enough green space to to be able to um, hide so they're, they're not seen by humans and and that's, you know, where they can find food. And that's really all they need. Um, so they're kind of a, they're a special case. Not all animals can do this. But a lot of urban research has shown that um, to thrive in urban areas, you really do kind of need this uh, behavioral plasticity. Hinger said that New York City has enough parks that coyotes can hide from humans. And they found enough food. They mostly eat birds, insects, rabbits, deer, and some skunks and possums. They also supplement their natural diet with human food like chicken, beef, and pig. So really, it makes sense they've come to the city. However, that behavioral plasticity Hinger mentioned, that's key to why coyotes have been able to survive in New York. Urban areas, they're not static. They do change a lot. You know, um, one park might be here, you know, one day and then gone the next, or this food resource might not be here. So that you really do need to be able to change your behavior to fit the situation. And coyotes are pretty much the number one example of that. As a part of Hinger's research, she made an entire family tree mapping out coyotes' bloodlines. In large spaces like Pelham Bay Park, there was evidence that generations of coyotes lived there. Looking across the, um, the city in terms of how the coyotes were related to each other across the park, we saw that there was a lot of relatedness, indicating that the coyotes from Pelham Bay Park up north and Van Cortland, those, um, their descendants were the ones that were colonizing um, the parks further down in the southern part of the Bronx. But there was also evidence showing that new coyotes are still coming into the city, which is good because it adds genetic diversity to the existing population. The family tree provided researchers a story of the migration of coyotes and how they are adapting to city life. So it gave us, gave us an idea of how, you know, that they were staying here over a couple of generations, the same coyotes. And it wasn't just an, 
an example of coyotes just coming to the city but then not not surviving. Many come to New York City and find a home that fills all their needs. And coyotes are no different. That was WFUV's Isabel Danzis talking about urban coyotes. Spooky season has arrived, and there's a lot of fun events that have been going on in the city. New Yorkers are known for going all out at this time of year, and Blood Manor, a haunted house on Broadway, is no exception. WFUV's Leah Mallory visited the haunted attraction to learn why. That's the sound of screaming coming from inside Blood Manor, a thrilling haunted house in Manhattan. The owner, Jim Lorenzo, describes it as... Blood Manor is a labyrinth of scenery, actors, sound, lights, scents, um, haunted house. From creepy clowns to axe-carrying murderers to disturbed doctors, Blood Manor has all the horrors to leave you trembling with fear. Inside, you could expect to see your worst nightmare. Confronting your worst nightmare doesn't sound like much fun. So why would people pay to do it? The rush. You know, why do people pay to drive fast? You know, I'll go on a roller coaster and all those types of things. It's the excitement, it's the unknown, it's the adrenaline rush. And the visitors making their way through the haunted house agree. I don't know. Why would I pay to get scared? It's fun. That was Gabriella Devia, a college student visiting Blood Manor for the spooky season. I talked to her after she walked through the haunted house. It was really good, really scary, a lot of jump scares. Like people would just come out of nowhere from like black rooms. Lorenzo is pleased with the turnout this year. He told me that Blood Manor was open with limited capacity during the pandemic, but this is the first year that it's back in full force. I think people have had cabin fever for the last two years and they just want to get out, scream, and have a great time. With the increased turnout come changes in the facility. Lorenzo says there are new scares, new actors, and the building has been remodeled, all to enhance the terrifying experience. He hopes that visitors leave feeling scared and fulfilled. Blood Manor is open until November 5th. Tickets can be found at their website at www.bloodmanor.com. That was WFUV's Leah Mallory reporting on Blood Manor, a haunted house in Manhattan. This week was our fourth and final installment of our Little series, where we explore different cultural communities in New York City. Today, WFUV's Nicoletta Papavasilakis takes us to Astoria, the little Greece of New York. I'm at Titan Foods in Astoria, Queens. It's not your typical supermarket. Here you can find products imported from Greece like Cretan honey and Kalamata olives. You'll also hear Greek music as you browse the aisles. And at the counter, people are ordering meats and cheeses in Greek. On the other side of that counter, you'll likely see Yorgos Evagelou. I cut cheese, a lot of it. Evagelou is 26 years old. He grew up here in Astoria. Born and raised. Evagelou says his family has lived in the area for generations. Well, my grandparents moved here in the 1960s. And my parents were both born and raised in Astoria, New York, as well. So, Vagalou's grandparents are two of nearly 150,000 Greeks that migrated to America in the 60s. Many of these Greeks settled in Astoria. 
By the end of the decade, the neighborhood became home to the world's largest population of Greeks who had left their homeland. It's like being in a village in Greece, like no matter how far you guys live or whatever part of Greece you're from, you guys are all connected. You guys will see each other at the same cafes, same restaurants, same clubs at night. You can't really escape anybody over here. The Greek community in Astoria has declined in recent years, now making up 10% of the population. But Evagelou says the culture still has a strong presence. So anywhere you'll go, you'll hear Greek being spoken. You'll see a lot of the dishes and a lot of menus being inspired by Greek things. You'll see a lot of halloumi, let's say, from Cyprus, or a lot of Greek salads. And when you, when you go outside of New York State, you don't really find that. But you'll find it here, and it's just so normalized to me that I don't even think about it. It's just like, yeah, everything's kind of Greek over here. Evagelou says that even people who are not Greek can appreciate the culture in Astoria. It's a little piece of the culture that's being passed down to people who weren't born in it, and it's, it's cool to teach them because they seem so interested to learn. J.D. Chow is one of those people. He lives two doors down from Titan and visits at least once a week to try out different Greek specialties made in-house. It just smells great all the time, and I'm just here munching on stuff. I just love Greek food in general, so it's really nice to have this. Chow is with his friend, Sharon Ekopi. She was visiting from Brooklyn. Okopi is Moroccan and Israeli. She says that Greek cuisine is similar to the foods she grew up with. Greek flavors and tastes is something that like, I always like to have on hand, so I figured if I'm in the area, I might as well stop by. Whether you're Greek or not, Astoria is New York's hub for Greek culture. That was WFUV's Nicoletta Papavasilakis giving us a taste of little Greece in Astoria. And that's it from us. But you can check out the What's What weekly wrap-up every Friday for more features exclusively from the WFUV newsroom. And make sure to check out the WFUV What's What daily podcast. It explores current events, culture news, and hot topic issues surrounding the New York metropolitan area. And it includes features and interviews just like the ones you heard exclusively from WFUV. You can catch new episodes every weekday at 3, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or find out more at WFUVnews.org. I'm Shana Walsh. And I'm David Escobar.